Welcome to Coffee with Humans on this great January day with my new friend, Paul Higgins. Welcome to Coffee with Humans, Paul Higgins. Great to have be here, Jason. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, let me get this out of the way here. I'm in Illinois, uh, outside Chicago, in a small town called Rockford. Where are you located? I'm in Melbourne, Australia. So oh, my yeah. gosh. I love it. So what's the weather like in Melbourne? Uh, it's not as good as it normally is. It's about five degrees below or what is that? 15 or something uh, Fahrenheit below average, but uh, look, it's, it's okay. It's okay. All right. All right. We are having, I think an unseasonably warm year as well. We are currently, I think around 25 degrees Fahrenheit uh, and there's snow everywhere. And, but the, this cool mist came in the other day, like this fog, and it froze on all the trees. So I think it's called rime ice or something. Froze on all the trees, and so it all the it's it's uh all the trees have white, like covered on ev every branch. the The whole thing is white because it, they're all just covered with ice. It's beautiful uh, outside. Beautiful, yeah. But we didn't have snow for Christmas, which is unfortunate. I'm used to snow for Christmas, so anyhow. Well, what drew what drew you to have uh, click the button to have coffee with me? <laughs> Although I'm not having coffee, I'm having water. Yeah, I've got to be completely honest. Uh, I don't drink coffee, so the fact that it was a virtual coffee really drew me to this conversation. <laughs> it's a I'm coffee light. Drink coffee. I'm not having coffee. Oh well, that's okay. It, um, it, nobody. It's not a requirement to drink coffee. Only fifty percent of Americans drink coffee, uh, anyhow. So, and I and I think and, I don't know what like the world population is like. Yeah, and sorry, Jason. You know, as a parochial Australian, is that coffee, or is that sometimes just mud in the cup? Oh, you know, it depends. I I really appreciate a strong cup of coffee. Like I I wanted to I wanted to have a personality, and then. <laughs> But some people, they're okay with this weak sort of, I mean, it's kind of like tea, right? I mean, it's, but with coffee beans and I don't, I don't have any appreciation for that whatsoever. No, we're, we're coffee snobs here in Australia and we, you know, it's, it's got to be ground beans. Uh, so I bought my wife for a 50th uh, last year, well, actually, uh, yeah, last year, uh, a coffee machine, espresso coffee machine, and she makes a coffee every day at home, and it's yeah, it's it's ground beans, and it's the authentic coffee. So we're very much into that. It's you know, yeah, you won't get an Australian going into Starbucks, Starbucks to save their life. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but we are coffee snobs here. Well, we've got a, a viewer listening right now, Bethany, uh, Beth Mead. She's uh, she's from my hometown little coffee with my flavored creamers which <laughs> that's not that's cheating i don't think that's you can't call that coffee you can call it like it's like a form of liquid candy or something i don't know well uh paul how did you come across this coffee with humans thing where did this uh, where, where was the where was the entrance in your in your universe that your coffee with humans came to you yeah, I, I came across you on YouTube. And uh, then from there, I think uh, my team reached out. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so so why, apart from this idea, you don't drink coffee and you thought maybe I have this virtual coffee, which gets you off the hook. Uh, why? Well, what about the concept did, did you find interesting or 
Why does this speak to you in some way? Yeah, look, I love talking. And if anyone's willing to listen to me, which most people that know me aren't, I thought, well, here's another opportunity to talk to someone. Okay. <laughs> what do you like talking about? <laughs> Anything and in the dialogue too. So you can ask me questions. I don't accept it if you, if you got them. Well, can... that's why at the start you might have noticed, uh, I went to say great to have you on because I'm a podcaster and I'm so used to interviewing people. So I also love being on the other side of the mic for once yeah. as well. It's, uh, it's okay. nice. All right. So uh, r- r- tell me your, your podcast and you like talking to people and you like being interviewed because normally you're the interviewer. What yeah. do you normally talk to people about? Look, um, so my podcast is called Build, Live, Give, and it's really about building your ideal business, to live a great life, and then to give back. So that's the the premise of the show. And, uh, yeah, I just interview amazing people all over the world that are typically a story like mine, uh, corporate, uh, for whatever, mine was a health reason I left, set up my own service-based business, and uh, sort of run that to, yeah, live live life and uh, also give back. So that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. So you, so you were in corp, kind of the corporate position? Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't for you? Oh, look, it, it was brilliant while I was there. I worked for Coca-Cola, which uh, I don't need to explain Coca-Cola to do anyone, uh, especially in America, but it's um, it was an amazing company. But uh, here in Australia, you could really see the writing on the wall that sugar was starting to become public enemy number one. And I think the number one selling product at the moment for Coca-Cola in Australia is Coke a cola, no sugar. Okay. I can tell you, when I started my journey, uh, when I was, uh, what was I? I was 23 with Coca-Cola. I never thought that we'd be selling the number one product we'd be selling is Coca-Cola, no sugar. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I knew that the company was in for hard times and I'd sort of, I, I didn't want to travel the world anymore. Um, and also I had a, an inherited condition, which my, um, my specialist said, look, you've got two choices here, really. One is you can continue to, you know, travel the world and, and work your 80 hours and be a, a director of Coca-Cola, or the alternative is is to see your grandkids. And I thought, well, okay, that's a pretty simple choice. Uh, what do I need to do to see more of my grandkids? Okay, so you reclaimed your life purpose and decided to, yeah, decided to stop uh, working for a paycheck and, and you know reclaim i guess reclaim things that matter to you more yeah yeah and like like my my health i suppose was the final nail in the coffin but i would always said that i wanted to leave i just didn't know what i was going to do so every year we had a, a golf trip with some friends that i said to myself i will not be working in corporate by this time next year. And that went on for about five years. And I think the uh, a nephrologist, so I, I was having kidney failure. My nephrologist was really the one that said, come on, you just got to, you just got to make a decision here. You can't continue to do what you're doing because uh, your kidney function is falling off a cliff. And the longer you can keep your own kidney, the, the longer you will live. Yeah. Did you find that in this, I guess in this transition time when you're working in corporate America, but also having this feeling like maybe this is not your long-term, you know, path, how, what, in, in that transition time, how long was that or how long was that transition time for you? Yeah, look, it was uh, probably a good five years. 
you know, for the last five years of my career, I thought, I just don't want to do this anymore. And, um, but the biggest question was, well, what am I going to do? You know, what am I best at? Well, what, what could I do to still sustain the lifestyle that my family was, uh, used to what, what could I do? And did you start planning that then during that transition time? Yeah, well, look, it was, you know, it was speaking to a lot of people that are run, running their own businesses. I became an advisor on a small business, uh, actually a couple of small business boards to really understand the other side. And the great thing with the Coke company is that, you know, you dealt with, you know, the Walmarts of the world, but also you dealt with the local shop. So uh, there was a lot of clients that I spoke to and a lot of businesses I got to business owners I got to speak about as to what should I do. Yeah. And uh, long story short, I ended up becoming uh, an executive coach because I love developing people. So that's what I left to do in uh, 2011. Okay. Did you, is there a particular focus you have in your people development? Well, the, the short story is, uh, you know, I was an executive coach to some of the biggest brands in the world or executives within those. And I realized that some of the things that were challenge with I also was challenged with and I couldn't solve them so <laughs> in short in 12 months I realized as an executive coach I made a much better mentor mm. and as a mentor I was probably much better suited to uh to working with individual business owners that could actually make a decision you know I was tired of the bureaucracy of of corporate I know why it needs to be there but I didn't want to be part of that anymore so that's when I shifted to uh, mentoring uh, small business owners, uh, you know, and like I said, predominantly people like me that have left corporate for whatever reason and are running a service-based business. Those are the people I really um, nailed or, you know, focused on. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so how long have you been in this mode of uh, coaching? Yeah. So I've been mentoring, well, 2011, I left in 2012 okay. was when I really started to to mentor small businesses. And I built a couple of businesses up of my own that supported those. So I had an outsourcing business, I also had a tech consulting business. I divested the tech consulting business, had a really successful exit uh, last year. Uh, actually, no, 2019. I've got to remember this January. So 2019, I had an exit of that. And I still run a global community of service based business owners today. Awesome. And what role do you play in that uh, that global community of service businesses? Yeah, look, I suppose I'm the the glue that that brings everyone together, so to speak. So we've got uh, a community um, called the Sales Machine, which really help people, you know, just get sales because a lot of people, you know, haven't had the training that I have, so they find it difficult, and you can't really run your own business without getting uh, new clients in the door. So there's that, and then I also have some one-on-one -on -one and group programs. So um, yeah, look, it's you know, it's I, I love learning, so I'm a you know, a prolific podcast listener. I listen at two and a half times speed and then I sort of gain all that knowledge and then just try to fit where someone wants to go. I just try to fit the right knowledge in there to help them get there quicker. Hmm. Two and a half times speed? Yeah. 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 Do, you, do you find Sometimes that you... <laughs> really? Yeah. Have you trained yourself to listen at a faster rate? Is that what's yeah, happening? No, okay. One and a half, two... You know, it, it depends a little bit in the in the which 
states. So obviously some of the south I can go a little bit faster and then some of the east, especially New York, I find sometimes I've got to dial that down a little. But, yeah, I've just trained myself to, to do that. And and my, it, my jump in my car, it automatically you know, goes to whatever I was playing last. And my kids always, you know, yell at me, Dad, like, turn that crap off. It sounds like chipmunks or whatever. Whereas for me, it's just, it's normal. Yeah. And you re and you retain uh, yeah. all that information as well that fast? Okay. Yeah. Look, I take a lot of notes. So, you know, uh, I, I ride a lot. I cycle. So I'll remember things as I'm cycling and I'll come back and put it in a knowledge base so that everyone else can get access to it. And also every podcast that I favor that I think is a great podcast also catalog or my team catalogs. So I do a lot of note taking, but yeah, generally, I. Uh, you know, I, I do. Uh, when I had kidney failure, I, I didn't. I was lucky to remember my name. But as um, soon as I got on dialysis after kidney failure, it, like it just came back. But the period while it was failing, I just came so paranoid that I'd never get my memory back. I just, catalog, you know, catalogued everything. So you asked me, you know, anything I've ever listened to, I could probably go and find it in two minutes because it's all, it's all um, there just in case my memory never came back. Oh, wow. Okay. So you developed a discipline to uh, categorize your information so you could find it again because you kind of felt this impending doom that you're going to lose your ability to just recall. Yeah, and, it, and look, it's a, it's sort of a function of three things. One is my mum was a, a plan planner and organised school teacher, so I inherited that from her to always be very planned and organised and and have all my information there. You know, I, I was brought up on lists and uh, checklists. And then the other component was the coke company. You know, the coke company was bringing it. Uh, you know. It's, you've got a problem that someone else in the world solved. So you either go and find it on a database or you went and found the person that you could speak to. So that helped build it. And then, yes, the, the kidney failure, they call it kidney fog, where all the toxins that your body can't get rid of sit in your head. And it's just like having your worst hangover or let's say you haven't slept for 24 hours. It's like that every day for as long as you have low kidney function. Oh, wow. Ah, that's a very interesting. I, that makes sense, I guess, right? I mean, I'm not a scientist, but uh, I know enough probably to, to understand how when your kidneys don't function and don't function, don't filter out the toxins that you, they, yeah, I guess they affect all sorts of things in your body, including your, your mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, you know, to be honest, the a lot of what I help people with now is just based off necessity, which is I wanted to run my business. So, you know, work from home is a you know, huge acronym now, but for me it was work from hospital. So when I left corporate, it was like, how can I set up a business that I can literally run from a hospital bed? And uh, thank God I had that plan because it, it, it did come about. And, uh, yeah, I continue to help people all over the world. And often I was taking calls, uh, you know, on a dialysis machine or, or while sitting uh, in a hospital. Wow. And, and the people who were part of your community or the folks you were interacting with, they know all this was going down? Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, I've, for probably the first 35 years, maybe 40 years of my life, I never spoke about it. Right. It was my mum had um, kidney failure. She was on dialysis. She was always very ill. 
Um, so, you know, people knew that there was something in the family, but I never really spoke about it myself. Don't know why, I just didn't. But once I went through and, and got a transplant, I thought the more I share with people, the greater chance that they'll become donors. And, you know, my best mate donated uh, for me and basically saved or extended my life, which is amazing. But, you know, in Australia here, you wait six years for uh, an organ um, and six years being on a dialysis machine three or four times a week for four and a half hours uh, isn't as much fun as you think it would be. <laughs> no, that's not only is it a time suck, it's I, I would think just what a draining, kind of an emotionally draining experience to just hang out there. That's yeah. Incredible. Yeah, like I said, my mum did it for 10 years and uh, I, I sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's a classic, if you've uh, never had kids, it's hard to understand what it's like having children. It's the same with dialysis. Like I always looked at her and thought, you know, yeah, she looks a bit tired or, or whatever, but once I got on it, I just thought, oh, okay, now I know what it is. And I was lucky. I did it for six months. You know, she did it for 10 years and some people do it for a lot longer. Wow. Man. Yeah, that's a world I don't know anything about. I've never been... I've, I've, I mean, tangentially to, to me, I've got, I know some people who have uh, kidneys that they just have to watch, you know, things, yes. things aren't quite right. And so they have to watch what they eat and what they, what they drink and be careful and, you know, constant measurements and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've never, I've, I've been blessed. I've never had the, the uh, anything medically, you know, that has kind of laid me up where I've just been, you know, not able to rebound from it or, you know, I, I don't know. It's a world that, like you say, it's kind of like, it's, it's like having kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. know. And, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, one of the biggest things I've found with, um, and that's why I was very proactive in setting up something that I could uh, run whilst my condition is a lot of people, they get over the physical side. So they have a transplant, they get over the physical side, but a lot of times they've lost their career. Right, so they can't go back to doing what they did, and that uh, that mental uh, strain and the mental fatigue of not doing what you'd love to do really, really impacts people. And that's you know that's why I was so passionate to say, well, okay, you take control here, you set up a business that you can. So you know when people were sort of you know I talked to people you know in hospital and they were like effectively you know very depressed, right? There's no other really word for it. You know, I was writing my book. So, you know, I had a purpose. So, you know, some of the drugs that I had when I was early uh, post the transplant basically just kept you awake. It was um, predisim, uh, pred, um, and it just kept you awake for, you know, 18 hours a day. So it was great. I just madly typed and, you know, typed out my book and knew that that book would help others. And, you know, that's what sort of drove me. And, you know, that's also a message I want to get out to people that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a, um, a sentence that you can't control if you do have uh, an inherited condition like I did. Yeah. What you talked about, you know, purpose, I think that's a powerful word. And when people lose sight of purpose, um, it's hard to, it's hard to find it again. But when, when purpose is ripped from you in, you know, through circumstances, that's, I think altogether, that's like level two. Um, 
especially when you can't just go regain it. It's like, I can't rebuild that purpose. It's, I have to shift gears entirely. It requires, I think, a, a mental fortitude, but like you talked about an emotional fortitude and resilience um, that, that I think a lot of people don't have not built up out of, you know, they didn't need that sort of resilience. Uh, and then I think also people aren't surrounded by tend to not, or are not surrounded by other folks who can help them through that point. Um, because they've never, you know, they've never been, uh, they maybe not know, they don't, they don't know somebody perhaps, you know, no. walk that road. And that's where like, you know, is the chicken or the egg? I don't know. Like, did I always have tenacity because, you know, it was a part of my family fa fabric because 50, 50, uh, percent of my mum's family get this condition of birth wow. or you got a 50% chance of getting it right. So, you know, was the, the condition that led to the genetics of, you know, being tenacious or is it just something that I, I had? I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it definitely helped. And, you know, there's some great, you know, Facebook groups out there and there's some great support now. And I think that's one of the benefits of social media. Mm -hmm. So uh, often we look at the downside of social media, but I think for those type of things, you know, you don't have to be lonely anymore. You can find your crowd and, and your people from anywhere in the world. And I know there was a transplant Facebook group that um, I used and it was just wonderful to, you know, get real information from people that had um, gone through. And I suppose it's no different to how I help people through business. Like everyone's smart, everyone will get there, but it's just, if you can bring forward that knowledge, you're just going to get there a little quicker, whether it's your health or, or your business. Yeah. Did you find that your, or to what degree did your prior life, let's say your prior life in corporate America, prepare you to build, to kind of uh, leverage, you know, leverage forward and build this community and, you know, help you write a book and move you forward in that process. Yeah. Look, I think the, um, I always talk about high performance and, you know, Coca-Cola was a very high performing company. So, you know, they were always doing, um, you know, getting you, to do more every year, right? So they were very aggressive in we've got to do more, you know, we've got to get 20% more or whatever. So uh, that was sort of the culture of the business. The other thing is they always brought in the world's best people to help them achieve their goals. Right. So, you know, those two things combined, I think, was, were fantastic in setting me up to do a similar thing. And, you know, like I said, the Coke company, even though the technology wasn't quite there, they were always, they had a saying, uh, think global, act local, right? So they were always saying, well, how can we tap into this amazing network across the world, the, one of the biggest franchise or franchisee systems in the world? Mm -hmm. And I think now with how we're all using, you know, Zoom, you know, uh, StreamYard, I think we're on today. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, stream up, whatever it is, right? We can all connect now virtually. And I think that conditioning of the Coke company also helped me incredibly now because I was just used to talking to people from all over the world. You know, that was yeah. just something that I'd, I've been doing for years. That makes sense. A lot of folks that I've found um, are limited in their beliefs of what are possible, number one. But, and, and, and even when they believe it's possible, they just don't have, they don't have the knowledge of where to go 
find these tools, which are really straightforward. I mean, very easy process to live stream. And, uh, and I, I think COVID to a lot of, you know, to, to a great degree has shifted gears for us, you know, on, on like, we need to accelerate now, uh, our adoption of technology to be able to communicate because we, it's not a thing where we just kind of sit in our homes and just don't talk to one another. We have now got to figure out how to do you know, video conferencing or have to do live streams. And I think that the necessity, the necessity being mother of invention, if that's, you know, has some ring of truth to it, this was a point of necessity. Um, it sounds like you had, you had some prior training then and mindsets, uh, uh, elements of your mindset in place because of the, the, the role and the organization that you worked in that prepped you to, you, you can believe it's possible. And there's probably some connections that can bring you, you know, forward in that. And it sounds like you're, you're then are moving or have moved to a position where you're also providing those to other people. Yeah. Spot on. And, and, you know, so I suppose my COVID was, you know, my condition. So I just had it a lot earlier than the rest of the world, but it was, you know, a lot of people talked about, and, and it's brilliant because I felt very lonely back in 2011 mm-hmm. when, you know, I left corporate to be in track suit or tra- track pants at home working with, you know, a, a VA company based in the Philippines and, you know, technology company like all my corporate clients just couldn't understand that world. You know, well, you, you retired. That was the, you know, here he is a retired man. You know, that's, that's what everyone said. Whereas now a, a lot of, especially my close friends are understanding a lot more because they've had to move into this world. Right. right. So, you know, I used to say to them like, why are you flying to Melbourne and Sydney? I think is the third most frequented uh, flight route in the world. I'm like, why are you flying to Sydney for that meeting? Why are you getting up at four thirty in the morning, being with everyone else in a queue to get on planes? You know, planes are you know, uh, you know, great chance of catching something on a plane. Blah blah blah. Whereas now they're like, yeah, I'll just have a Zoom call. So I feel like I was forced, but also the Coke company, both of those really helped me do that. And now yeah, I just help people do the same. Like, you know, as I said, I, you know, I had a virtual assistant back in 2011 when, you know, no one really had virtual assistants. I set up a company in 2012 and, you know, this is, this is what I've been doing. So it's, it's great now that more people are, are doing it. And if I can help people move that faster, cause you know, you, you can, I've got people in Columbia in, um, the Maldives, uh, you know, in the Philippines, um, people in Eastern Europe, all working for me. You know, so it's this matrix collective team. They love what they're doing. They're living in the lifestyle that they want. I'm helping them, you know, be supported and support their family. But I'm also helping um, service-based business owners all around the world. Like, I don't think it gets any better than that. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. How do you control quality from a distance? Yeah, great question. So I think it it does go down to good training, good um, uh, business practices, you know, which is what I learned from the Coke company. Right. So, you know, I know uh, standard operating uh, procedures, everyone normally, you know, especially most entrepreneurs balk at that, but we're very good at, at, at saying, look, the only way an individual can truly be successful is if you give them a, a great solid uh, base, a, a system to work in, 
right? So we, we use Asana for our system, but we have checklists for everything we do. So, you know, you don't have to recreate the, the wheel. It's already there for you. So that, I think, takes a lot of the human error component out of it because we'll all make mistakes we're human but if you can have a really good base that then gives the chance of better quality being there so i think that's the number one thing that uh, we do interesting yeah it sounds like it sounds to me like the uh those are things that you learned from corporate america correct i mean not corporate america i guess corporate australia yeah, well, corporations, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was, you know, that's the positive. And it, look, you know, yeah. uh, uh, like I said, the Coca-Cola was a brilliant company. Now, having a kidney disease and a lot of kidney disease is caused by diabetes, which a lot of it's caused by sugar. It was a little bit like working with the devil at, at the end. <laughs> but I've got to say in the high highlight years, it was an amazing company. It just yeah. taught me so much like 18 years of basically being at, at school business school for 18 years it was amazing and then you you know you you apply what's great and then you fortunately i haven't had a political conversation in a long long time other than maybe the result in georgia that's uh that's coming out as we're talking have you seen have you watched any of that stuff i don't know if it's of interest to you or not but yeah look i i'm i'm fascinated by american yeah. politics i've got to say so i listen to you know my podcast that i talked about before i listen to a lot of american uh, podcasts i must admit I'm, I'm probably more um listening to maybe a little bit left than than right sure. uh, but uh yeah it's it's, it's quite incredible um and it, you, so know, you said fascinates is are is it really that strong yeah yeah, yeah like our, our politics is boring absolutely <laughs> boring like we, we don't talk politics in this country you know no. you, you 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 wouldn't go to someone and say sorry i'm not going to be friends with you anymore because you're on one side of politics and i'm on the other right whereas that's you good. know from the podcast i listen to in america that's um that becomes you know more to the point where we're not that fanatical here whereas you know how fanatical you are about your politics is uh yeah to me i find it fascinating it seems so our, what 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 are what are Australians fanatical about then that would cause some sort of rift? Is it sports? Sport? Yeah, yeah, sport. In one word, sport. Hmm. Yeah. So, so if you follow a particular football team, like yeah. uh, we've got local teams like the NFL, but okay. your local team, you have had a deep seated hundred year hatred of of another team, and you know, okay. like you. Like if if someone came, if if your daughter or son went to marry someone, it you know it nearly becomes well, who do they follow? It's one of the, <laughs> one of the characteristics of whether they get through the door. Wow. Okay. So it seems to me then uh, that the U.S. politics, the political parties have mastered putting people in teams, and I think that's where the I think that's where the element of. Uh, where the element of we are all in this together sort of gets lost because yeah. it is, it's a little, I think it's absurd. I mean, uh, just me, but I think it's absurd that uh, we would want an individual in power to fail because that whoever they are, one individual, hundred individuals, 500 individuals, doesn't matter. We want them all to succeed while they're in, while they're working for us. 
And I think that's where people kind of get a little bit lost because it's becomes, it becomes a personal thing. And it's, and also, and it's, this is really absurd right now too, what we've got going on in the Capitol building where it's now stormed the Capitol while they're supposed to be doing the electoral votes. Uh, you know, the people, protesters have stormed the Capitol. Um, what good, honestly, what good could that possibly be doing for all of us? To what end? <laughs> like, where's it head? Be, the, what does tomorrow look like? Based on your actions today, what does tomorrow look like? What is a week from now? What is a month from now? What is a year from now? And uh, I, I think, I think the um, Mitch Mc, Mitch McConnell, he was the Senate Majority Leader. He was given a. I don't know if you watched it before, you know, because this come we're we're doing this right after this is all going down, right? Yeah. Um, he gave a good speech and he said, listen, if, if, if we in an unprecedented move in the Senate are being asked to overturn the, what the judiciary system has, has said should not be overturned, what the states and the people have said if not, should not be overturned. Uh, we, we are embarking on a, on a, on a position that will forever change our uh, the trust and we will basically, we will never trust another vote and the Republic will be complete, will be damaged forever. And he's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> he's totally right. He says, this is the, what, this is the most influential vote I've ever had. And he's absolutely, you are, you are, you're asking to change the fabric of how this whole thing is woven together. You're pulling up, you are pulling on one of the central courts. Like, be careful. Why are you inciting people? You know, I don't, I don't know why anyone would incite people to, to riot or anything else over this. It's crazy. Uh, and, look, and look, I feel really uh, sad in, in a way as well. It's fascinating, but also sad because I've had, you know, lots of clients, all of my clients or most of my clients are in the US and it's, you know, really sad to, you know, and they apologize to me all the time. I apologize for what's going on. I said, it's not you. <laughs> You know, it's not not you as an individual, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and how it's got to where it's got to, I'm not quite sure. But um, yeah, it, it is. It, it's not great when you've got the most powerful country in the world uh, having a hiccup, if I can be nice. Um, <laughs> you know, or, or having, yeah, have, having a sneeze and we all get a cold. I think um, yeah, we're yeah. all. In by this because it, it's an opportunity cost, right? Like you don't just get four years of someone's life back, right? right. And you don't get four years of uh, what, what what's happened. So, um, yeah, let's hope it, it improves. And I'm also very interested in China because, you know, they're taking a different stance to what they have in, a, in quite some time. So, um, yeah. yeah. A lot of global politics shifts, right? Globally, and I think the uh, the one thing I I do believe it, it really is in the lesson in team dynamics. If you want if you want to gel together a team, give them a common goal and give them a common enemy, and you can bring the most disparate of folks together by giving them a common goal and a common enemy, and and that has been been done now masterfully <laughs> to great effect here in the United States to our detriment. I think I think yeah. we, no none of us are are going to come away with this uh, better off, um, as a collective, I think we're going to, we have damaged ourselves. Um, and I, I think the majority of folks are just sitting back going, what the hell happened here? You know? Yeah. 
Like, because, you know, never once has it crossed my mind. Like, you know, I, I have my own, I have political beliefs and I've, and I respect somebody else's political beef, beliefs. And I, I go to this idea that I don't know if you've ever, you, you know, when you were growing up, you had the parachute game where it was a big, it was a big parachute and had a hole in the middle. You throw all these balls in the top and then kids would pull back on the parachute and they kind of like go up and down all these balls and bounce around on this big, this massive parachute, right? It's 40 feet wide, massive parachute. And the, at the, and the goal was to get all the balls bopped into the middle, right? So that they would fall through on the ground. And that was the big game. And it was cool as kids, but there were, there were probably, you know, 50 kids around the outside of this massive parachute, all pulling in opposite directions and throwing this thing up and down as it's rippling and the balls are flying and bopping all over the place. The whole point of the game and the necessity was to have somebody pulling in the exact opposite direction on the other side. The game doesn't work if you're just all pulling in the same direction. Yes. And that's, I think the, the op, I mean, it's, it's an opportunity in politics and I think a, a necessity to have a, a good functioning system. Um, uh, and I think it works in business too, but to have a good functioning system is to know that I'm pulling one direction. There's somebody on right next to me who's kind of pulling the same direction, but a little bit off. And then we go all the way around the circle and there's somebody on the exact opposite side and we're all playing the same game. Yes. That's the thing. We're all playing the same game and I need me and you need me and I need you. It's like, that's, that's all it's, it's part of, it's part of the necessity of it. I think, I think there's a lesson in that, that we as a collective miss and that's too bad. Yeah. And, and look, I suppose the interesting one now is, you know, the whole, you know, cryptocurrency and, you know, how that's taking and, and like for me, like really I live in Australia. Yes. I consider myself Australian, but I'm really a global citizen, right? And most of my revenue comes from outside of Australia Yes, I pay taxes here locally, but, you know, like, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time where you've got some countries that are going very much nationalistic and going inwards. And then, you know, you've got people like, you know, you and I that sort of work across the world. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's an interesting time. And I just, you know, like I always used to laugh with, um, you know, even when I was in the, the soft drink game, like we all had uh, overcapacity of, of facilities, right? We didn't need all these facilities in the world, but we did. So if you go to washing machines as an example, there's, you know, there's, I don't know, there's three manufacturing sites in the world that do all the brands, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's economies of scale. Whereas what I'm scared of is, is sort of post-COVID is that we all go back to putting all our own infrastructure back in the countries that we've got. So we all become nationalistic again. Um, and then that creates, you know, enormous impact on the environment and, and carbon because we've got all of this inefficiency around the world. So, you know, it's, it's hard. I personally would love the world to be a lot flatter and we, we sort of look at it and all come together. But uh, then you've got ideologies like, you know, you've got the, 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 biggest population in the world has got a very different uh, ideology to, to a lot of the rest. So yeah, it's complex. It's complex. All I can do is help people uh, grow their service-based business. That's what I focus on. And then I just right. listen to everything else. <laughs> as well, that, like you talked about earlier, this idea of having a global outlook 
you're going to think globally, act locally. And I, you know, lessons can be learned that uh, some processes that are in place for global uh, organizations or global economies uh, or large, you know, uh, large um, countries, um, those processes are in place. They're needed. They are inefficient. They have some inherent inefficiency when you try and push it down to a small scale, but they're needed and they, and you, and they, they are created for a reason. And it sounds, you know, and I, uh, I get the kind of the beat on what you do that, that, uh, when, when you take a small, I've, I've advised businesses too. And I kind of say this idea, it's like when you're a small business, as you're growing, you need to get, you need to develop processes and systems to allow you to be a larger business. Otherwise, if you apply the small, the stuff that works as a small business to a large scale, the whole thing falls apart. And, and, uh, and so mid-sized businesses either need to buckle down and, and put those processes and systems in place of a large business as hard, as painful as sometimes that is. And, you know, I mean, it was painful probably for you to go through and like categorize all of your stuff so that you could search it again. Like who does that? Right. Only when you want to go find it, you know, 15 years later, that it really paid off. And, and, but what you can't do is go 15 years in the future and go, you know what, I'm going to recreate the last 15 years, you know? So it's kind of, I think it, I think, um, there are lessons all over the place, whether it's business, whether it's, whether it's governments, yeah, there's and, and, things that are in place, but yeah. And, and like for me, you know, as I said before, like, you know, I, I love uh, helping people build their SaaS systems and, you know, you, you can build your own, like you said, you can, but you know, it's like a, a bit like planting a tree that the, the best time was 20 years ago, yeah. but the next best time is today. And I think you can find um, shortcuts where people have already built something and leveraged that. And I think that was the number one learning from the Coke company is you do not have to reinvent the wheel. But like the Coke company rarely did their own marketing, right? All the agencies did the marketing for Coke, mm-hmm. right? So they were performance-based and they did it. They didn't do everything in-house. So the, the whole Coke system was built on, we own the brand, so the Coca-Cola owns the brand and then all the manufacturing, all the sales, all the distribution is all outsourced, mm-hmm. right? So that's done by the bottler, someone else. And effectively, that's what's happening around the world now with businesses. Like I, now I've got 470 experts and I say to someone, you don't have to do it all, right? You just got to do the bit that only you can do, which is normally lead your team, uh, be the end sales person and set the strategy for your business. But a lot of the rest of the stuff can be done by others. So let go and let it be done by others that are experts in that area. And that's, I think, how you get um, great results. And that's what I learned from the Coke company. And I suppose I'm just continuing that today. Yeah. Well, the great, I think, uh, what have I I said? It's something like, you know, stop stop doing what you're no good at and you don't like. Uh, because for everything that you're no good at and you don't like, there's somebody out there among the almost 8 billion people around the planet. There's somebody out there who loves that thing and is, as, and is great at it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like email. Like I, I saw a post today where someone said, you know, what do you feel like when you go into your inbox? I, I said, great, because there's nothing in it. Right. I've got someone that just every 15 minutes just basically screens my email and either responds, uh, sets a task for me in Asana if I have to do something or puts it in a read, which I might read later, or most of the time deletes it. But now 
I, I don't. And, and people go, what, what, you know, your email's personal. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it, it can be learned. And, you know, it, it's not that difficult for someone to get rid of something. Whereas, you know, I know some people they'll have, you know, 4,000 unread emails in their inbox. I'm like, how do you, I don't know how you can concentrate with, that much unknown information sitting in your inbox every day. The answer is you can't. No, the, the mental weight of that, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's like uh, my, my kid at one point in time thought he was going to build muscle by getting these weights and put them around his ankles and that he was going to walk around like that all the time. I don't know where he got that absurd idea, but he got those weights for Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And and it is it's very similar. You uh, you it might be doing something, but what it's not allowing you to do is not allowing you to to, to go any faster. <laughs> you know, and 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 arguably it's hurting the way your body's meant to walk. So <laughs> you're doing yourself damage over time, and you're slow in the process. Stop doing that stuff. So yeah, the, I agree with you. I've lived the, that life too, so I know know a thing or two about being overwhelmed with stuff. <laughs> Well, this has been good. I we're coming up on the end of our time. I'm going to put your link up there, paulhagensmentoring.com. I'm I'm very interested. Um, we're out of time on this show, but I'm interested in what you guys do. Um, it sounds to me like you've got a lot of skills, a lot of experience uh, in the process that you carry forward into this, um, and a lot of wisdom. I think that's been developed through your journey. Uh, if I if I'm reading all that correctly. Yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And you know, like I said, it's it's it's. Uh, I think Einstein said the the best thing that was ever invented was compound interest. And I suppose I'm just a compound learner. And you know, I just constantly learn to help others. So that's you know, my my mum who passed away just after I got the transplant. So it was brilliant that she got to see that. But um, yeah, she, I suppose that's what she instilled with me is just always learn. That's awesome. Well, thanks, sir, for joining me. Uh, I'm going to check out your stuff uh, a little bit later. Uh, before we go, you've got a plant, I think, uh, on your back left. Is yeah. It, is, that, is that a virtual background? Or is that your real background? Well, that's real. That's a okay, uh, good. What kind of plant bonsai, is that? Bonsai plant. Which, do, you, do you know what kind it is? Is that a... <sighs> no. That's no, not, is that a ficus? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. It, it's got a, uh, it has got a card on the back of it, so... But uh, I don't know. But it's uh, yeah. But the one on the floor, yeah, which, uh, that side, that yeah. is definitely plastic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yin and yang. Okay. <laughs> it's classy. I love it. Um, that says great meeting you, Paul. Uh, Jason. Thanks also, uh, Beth, for listening, uh, and to all of our listeners and and viewers and the folks who catch up on the podcast later. This is Paul Higgins, my new friend in Australia. Uh, and again, you can grab him at paulhigginsmentoring.com. Thanks, everybody. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have, meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. Thank you. 
This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.